Arthur Bloom is not your everyday singer-songwriter. He's also an engineer at Google who crafts his music with a perfect philosophical narrative. You will hear his story, you will hear his vision, and why he's the ultimate outlier. Welcome to Elias TV. Welcome to Elias TV. Welcome to Elias TV. Welcome to the show. Yeah. With Jorge. Hello, hello, and welcome to Outliers TV, a podcast about innovators changing our world. And today we have the pleasure of being with Mr. Arthur Bloom, sir. Thank you very much. Great to be here. How's it going? Uh, fantastic. Thanks. Excellent. From the East Coast, huh? Yeah, that's right. But I love California. Love yeah, well, here. yesterday was just like 85 in the middle of November. Yeah, it's not like that in Boston right now, I can assure you. Yeah, well, clearly, you know, <laughs> climate change is not real. Uh, no, not at all. It's just a stupid <laughs> it's little big, theory big that's happening. But, exactly. you know, we get to kind of experience the good part about it. Mm-hmm. No, I think until it all falls apart, and then we'll see where we're at. I love your positive attitude. It's, it's so great. I just like to have fun. I do. You know, uh, your publicist is a really good friend of mine, and uh, we we uh, we laugh a lot. We could, laugh a lot. So he makes gotta, me giddy because he's here. No, that's great. that's a good sign. Yeah, good it's sign. a great time. So uh, we uh, we start the show with a question, and there's no right or wrong on answer. Is whatever speaks to you, and the question is why you why now. Okay. Well, I thought you might ask me this question, so, okay, so I wrote down the do answer. Do your homework. Okay, if I read my homework? Okay. Uh, you actually did, our dear lizard. He wrote I've got it right here. Yeah. No, I knew. Go I would have a good answer. Um, why me? I, I think it's because I, have, I do have stories to tell, and the stories are about what I see happening to America and the world right now. So keying off what you just said about climate change, that's very relevant. Um, I, I sort of, this album that we're talking about today is sort of looking at things through the lens of right after 2000 when things sort of started to go off the rails with 9-11 and the global war on terror and everything that sort of came thereafter. And the stories kind of go from, uh, uh, you know, up, up to the, through to the present day and, and actually even into the future. And so I, why, why me is that I have these stories that I, that I feel deeply about and want to tell. And, and why now? Um, in terms of society, it's because there's a lot of this really urgent stuff happening that um, I, I care a lot about and I know a lot of people really care about and I want to find a way to speak to those things um, artistically. And in terms of um, me personally, my music, why now? Um, it's because uh, this album is a wonderful turning point for me because I've been in songwriting for many years and written a lot of songs. And um, this was the moment when I finally found out that the sort of the key to making a, a meaningful album, which was always my goal, like something really worth listening to start to finish, um, was to make it a concept album and have characters and a story and even illustrations and kind of uh, almost like a little mini movie and that was re what really sort of helped me find my voice voice for this project and create uh, the work that I wanted to create and it's all happening now. Oh wow! Well, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm gonna have to retire the "Why me? Why now?" question <laughs> right, after people that. People are catching on. Right? Like to, right. <laughs> Turns oh, out some people asked. actually listen to past <laughs> podcasts and have an idea of what's going on. That's right. So uh, thank you for retiring that question. Uh, for don't me. worry, I don't have. I'm not <laughs> prepared for anything else. I'm completely incoherent. <laughs> so, so I, you know, it's interesting because you uh, you see kind of the the body of work of musicians, and and I love how um, they're never so conceptualized from right out of the gate mm -hmm. and and you're different in that way it seems like you 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 created a, a a pretty elaborate concept right off the bat how how did that come about well so how it came about is i um i've always i think even since high school i've wanted to make albums um 
and uh, ever since I knew sort of the the way I tell it is ever since I knew what Sting did for a living, you know, where he was mm-hmm. the singer and he wrote everything or Bruce Springsteen, like that sort of artist. And then um, the whole album was, you know, they're singing, they're songwriting and then bringing in talented people to work with them. That's always what I wanted to do. And I went to music school um, actually right before 9-11 and um, studied songwriting. And after music school, I just kind of piled up a whole bunch of um, songs writing in all sorts of different um, genres and a lot of things about love and relationships and the sorts of things you would expect. Um, but I was actually, interestingly, I was not ever really a concept album person myself. And um, so the idea um, of doing that came to me, I think, about five or six years ago. And when that um, came to me, that was it was basically the, the feeling of I've written this pile of songs and I need something so that 10 or 12 of them can come over here and be an album together and all of the rest of them can go off and wait somewhere. And so right. that was sort of where it came from. And what I found that was I had a story concept and the story concept for me and probably I'm guessing for a lot of other people who do this like musical like concept album. That story concept really helped the writing. I, mm-hmm. I was looking back over, you know, things I had written at around that time, and I had seven or eight songs, you know, in some form right off the bat. And finishing the thing off turned out to be a matter of going to the point in the story where I knew the story, but I didn't know the song, and just sort of starting to write from that point. And it really made it a lot easier to to write and to finish everything off. Um, so that's how it came about. And I think another direct inspiration was um, Green Day's American Idiot, mm-hmm. um, because that that album is, you know, it's very post 9/11, obviously, and that album is about the same kind of concept album to my ear as what I've written with this one in that it has characters um, and you can, it, they even have names in the lyrics and it, you can tell there's a story and there's definitely a, an almost cinematic um, dramatic arc to it, but um, you can't read the plot off the page. It's not like a screen. It's not like a screenplay. So somebody, I, um, a producer I talked to once said this is sort of like a light concept album and that's pretty much exactly what, um, what I aimed for originally, although it's gotten a little bit more fleshed out as we finished it. Mm. And uh, that I love that album actually, American Idiot. Yeah, it's, it's really so great. And, great. I, and I, um, I, I love satires, and and mm-hmm. I love um, just um, narrative and conversations that make people kind of think and like yeah. look at both sides. Um, and speaking of both sides, do you do you think that we're going in the wrong direction? You mean as a sort of a yeah. society or a yeah. species? Mm-hmm. I think it's a downturn for sure, um, but I also think that humanity is um, crazy, adaptable, and resourceful. And I think that pretty much no matter what happens in the next few years or the next century, I think humanity will survive. In a way, that's kind of a two-edged sword. It's both the problem, and that we're so radically successful as a species that um, that's why we've you know dug all this oil out of the ground and, uh, and built these wonderful things with it and built all these cars. I mean, that's that's why we're sort of unfortunately taking over the the whole ecology. But on the other hand, um, that adaptability, um, there will always be people who can think and invent their way out of situations. So there will, there will be solutions to the problem that we face, the problems that we face now. I absolutely believe that. They may not come as soon as we would like, and the, the planet may suffer more than we would like as a result of, that, of them not arriving soon enough. But I, I definitely think you know, there's hope for the future, even if this is sort of like a, a pretty persistent temporary downturn in how things are going. Yeah, no, it, I, I agree. And uh, it always seems like out of contrast, then that's when innovation really kicks in. Yeah, I think so. And all these incredible things. Are you familiar with Alan Watts by any chance? I know the name, but I don't remember yeah, from he, what. He's a, he was a, a, a theorist from the 70s. And um, it, it, you know, just I stumbled on YouTube yesterday and mm-hmm. he talked about if you were to look into um, 
into a microscope and look at your your blood cells mm -hmm. there you would see um, bacteria in chaos fighting mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that chaos is necessary to create the, the harmony that is the human body yeah. and basically he says who's not to say that the, this chaos that we're experiencing doesn't create the stability in the universe or I, th I think it does in the long term I also think that when it's um, I think a lot of people are best when their backs are up against the wall and I think humanity is actually very similar. It's funny because in the news right now, um, one thing I notice since we're talking about the environment and climate change a bit is that I think it's very hard to get people to understand climate change on a visceral level um, because, or it, it's been slow for people to accept it because it's invisible. It's about these gases that go into the atmosphere and mm -hmm. can't be seen, and the effects are very gradual. And the you know you can be worried about climate change, and then all of a sudden it's a snowy Christmas, and you're like, oh, okay, it's still you know everything's still fine and everything's still normal. Um, so that's a little bit harder for people to sink their teeth, teeth into. But what's been interesting in comparison was the um, the response to let's say the ozone hole. Um, right. And we thing, fixed and we fixed that. Which we fixed, right? Yeah. Because everybody can imagine getting skin cancer. And then in much more recently, this all the stuff about ocean plastics. I mean, I consider mm -hmm. myself pretty tuned into environmental issues, and I wasn't thinking about ocean plastics and plastic contamination of the environment until quite recently. I was just like, well, we recycle, and I'm sure it's all going to get taken someplace yeah. and turned into new plastic, and everything's yeah. fine. But these these um, images on social media of wh where the plastic actually ends up and what the garbage patch looks like in the Pacific Ocean are so viscerally um, disturbing that I think you know you see things action happening remarkably quickly. Like you can't get you know, single-use plastic bags in my hometown and in many places anymore. And I think, you know, you, you start to see the, like there was a news story the other day about how, um, I, I've seen two news stories actually in the last couple of weeks mm -hmm. about some innovation in getting rid of plastic waste specifically. There's a steam cracking method that can turn it back into high quality original plastic. And there's another method that can turn all kinds of plastic into something that can be used for all sorts of purposes and so on. So it isn't until we're just about to be really screwed that people sort of lift their heads up and maybe, you know, kids who are thinking about what to major in in college start deciding that maybe they should go into something relating to the environment or clean energy or something. You know, the the it takes a little while, but the species, I think, you know, sort of tilts. Once people realize that they're in trouble, um, innovation can happen faster. So the, that's um, just sort of waiting for that to happen. And isn't that the hero's journey, right? Yeah. Like every single mm -hmm. movie that we've loved is yeah. like last inning. He's Last losing, <laughs> and all of a sudden he comes back. All right, so let's talk about your amazing music. Um, I did see the video for Hell from Heaven. Great. And I loved it. I loved Thank the you. animation, and, uh, I, and I loved actually how there's, the, again, the, the whole story aspect of it. Um, what do you love about this song? Oh, well, I love... Um how hard edged it is it is so how what? hard edged it oh, is right. how it sort is of like heavy hard. it is i, yeah. I actually I, w I was telling your publicist that i i your work to me it's like a, a nice blend between like a metallica and panic at the disco i'll take that, you like that? <laughs> that's yeah. a, absolutely that's the best description i've heard yet yeah yeah um i knew, I knew my description ab absolutely no that's that's perfect it is it is kind of metal um it's funny i think that um i was so i, I told you earlier that i wasn't a concept album person and mm -hmm. here's a concept album i'm not that much of a listener to really metal and yet uh i think that probably is what my voice comes out as a lot of the time so on this album omicron there are a lot of different kinds of songs i mm -hmm. hope something for everyone i hope hell from heaven the end of it is very is much more metal hard-edged industrial it's higher. It's uh, this, you know, sung very, you know, loudly, <laughs> and um, the arrangement is really the producer who did the arrangement, um, Doug Rockwell, who is incredible, 
said it, um, you know, it's dirty, it's grungy, it's, uh, you know, I, I really like it. And um, so I like that. I love the um, art, um, everything that, all the art that the artist Aiden Hughes of Brute Propaganda did for this album. Yeah, it's the all propaganda incredible. stuff looks great. Yeah, it's very, it's all incredible. And it all came together really powerfully. And then the other thing is this, um, this, al- this song is also a jumping off point to the next album. Um, it's, I like it sometimes when an artist will finish up an album with one track that's a little bit of a departure that says where their, you know, their career and their music is going next. And that's been very deliberately done for this song. It's definitely pointing in the sonically um, and in terms of story and the direction of the future. So all that stuff uh, makes me happy. And it's also just a really fun song to sing. <laughs> yeah. It's fun um, to record. And um, so, okay, so, you know, our, our podcast is, is skews heavily into, you know, innovators changing the world and, and people that are doing interesting and different things. So your background is you're an engineer at Google. That's correct? right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now you're a musician. So t- <laughs> yes. tell me, how have you been able to navigate into creating um, another career at the same time with your current career? <laughs> Well, I think um, I'm fortunate in one of the things that I'm very philosophical about is I've been using computers my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. My dad was into them and introduced me to them when I was a little kid. And there are a lot of things I would like to be really good at. I would love to be a great graphic designer. I would love to be um, a great. I wish I could be, you know, the kind of engineer who builds physical things in the real world. Um, I Things like that. And um, what I found throughout my life is that the computer... Um, if you know how to use a computer, it can really empower you to do all these wonderful creative things that you couldn't necessarily do otherwise. Like I, I can't go off right now and get an MFA in graphic design, but I can use Photoshop and so on and so forth. And so, um, one of the nice things about the the modern, all the modern tools we have for recording, even like GarageBand, is you can do a lot by yourself in sort of in the in the background. And um, the nice thing about an album is though. Uh, an album is a lot of work and it's Mm -hmm. a very complete story and it can be an absorbing and wonderful thing that you want to listen to time and time again, but it's only about 42 minutes long. And if you can record a song one morning and a song another morning, you know, you kind of only have to do that 12 times. And so what I would do a lot of the time was, um, wake up early in the morning with an inspiration and, um, run to the, the computer and record some version of it. Typically I would sit down just thinking, Oh, I, I heard some, I woke up and I had some musical idea in my mind. So now I'm just going to try to, um, I'll just capture it. You know, I'll just take a few minutes and I'll capture it. So two hours later, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's breakfast time and I've recorded something. And um, so that's basically how it came to pass. Just like um, a few mornings and um, being productive in those mornings and then just putting the tracks back on um, on SoundCloud and listening to them throughout the day and scribbling down notes about how I might change the songs. And that's, you know, something that was ultimately possible to do in the background behind um, my job. And did, were you self-taught or did you study music anywhere or? I did study to um, a, a fair amount. I My big thing I did when I was a kid was I was a pianist and took a lot of, um, you know, like 10 years of classical piano lessons, as a lot of people do. Um, I didn't really get into singing until probably college. And, and you're t- the lead singer. And I'm the lead singer. Yeah. Um, I, I took, um, I've taken a number of voice lessons. And when I went to um, music school, which was Berkeley College of Music, I was a voice principal because you have to, um, I'm sure you know, you have to, you major in something and then you have mm-hmm. to pick a principal instrument. Mm-hmm. And so I was a songwriting major and a voice principal. So there was a lot of, I did take um, voice lessons there the two years I was there. And then there was just a lot of singing practice because that's how Berkeley is. You go to school in the day and then in the nighttime you go into the studios with your fellow students and you record music all night. And I just signed up for anything when, um, any opportunity to sing anything at all 
which they have a lot of because they have these music production classes there. So the music producers and engineers who study there, they have to record a jingle song, they have to record a sound-alike song, and they have to find a student who is an original songwriter and record their stuff. And so anything where any any one of those projects where I needed a, they needed a singer, no matter if it was two o'clock in the morning, I would I would just show up. And so all that practice is really helpful. And how did you go from a music major to engineer? <laughs> well, so I actually started out as a computer science major, and, oh, okay. and then I went to then I took a break. I went into the industry um, after four years in the computer industry. I was working at a startup in New York, actually, in in the late '90s, and I said to myself, um, I realized I was going to turn 30, <laughs> which mm. seemed like ancient at the time. And I said to myself, I had wanted to go to Berkeley actually since high school, and I said to myself, if I don't do it by the time I turn 30, I'm, it's never going to happen. So somehow I broke away from my uh, career and went and did it, and then found my way back into the computer industry pretty quickly after that. But the songwriting continued in the background, as I, as I said earlier. You know, it's amazing how technology is completely merging with the arts and, yeah. and, and, you know, we see it now, like all the, you know, even the Oscars now, all the nominated movies, it's like all tech money from mm -hmm. Netflix and the streaming companies. So, um, yeah, I guess with technology, just it's almost like we're, we can just do more. Right. Yeah. And I think streaming is a great example. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not, you know, a super duper heavy, um, TV viewer, but mm -hmm. Um, I've been getting, I've been starting to dip my toes into the golden age of streaming, if you will. And, you know, th these various shows that are popping up and it's amazing. Um, you know, uh, Hulu, Amazon, um, Netflix, obviously, um, HBO, the diversity, um, of the stuff that's being produced. It, it's, it's really wonderful and it's democratizing. It's sort of like, yeah. you know, if everybody in the world can pretty much slap together a pretty reasonable sounding song with garage band, then that's really great. It's really democratizing and it gives a lot of people's different ideas and talent a chance to shine. And, um, I, I feel like the streaming, you know, is the same way this technology opens up the channels and all sorts of people can contribute, um, old art in new ways and find new art as well and create just quality content. Yeah. And it is amazingly high quality content. Yeah. Absolutely. For, you know, cheap and for, for a much less much quality content for much less and okay so i want you to dream big right where where do you where would you like your music and your band and and this incredible initiative of craft to go well that's a great question um i would like to i have um this really is your dream board moment dream, dream board moment um i would like to bring my music to large audiences, both mm -hmm. online, you know, downloading, making music available, and also to perform in large venues, and to really have a wonderful um, live performance experience that people can really get into. And the I have written three, uh, sorry, two and a half albums. Mm -hmm. So there's the one that's already been released, Omicron. There's the second one for which that's why I'm in Los Angeles today. We just recorded it yesterday um, in Burbank. And then there's a third one that's, um, it's only about a third done, but there's a couple of songs that I know, I know where it's going. I know most of the plot. And so I'd like to finish that arc. I'd like to have people really enjoy getting into it in this sort of multimedia way, um, which you can see if you go to the, the website for the album, it's okay for me to mention that. Absolutely. That's kind no, of the point, right? Yeah. All right. So if you go to nowherenation.net slash Omicron, that's the name of the album, mm -hmm. or even just go to nowherenation.net, it's meant to be a sort of a, a musical and a visual experience. You see not just the art but also for, for every song, there's a piece of art and there it's animated. And if you click on the characters, you hear their thoughts and then the mm -hmm. lyrics are right there. And what I want to have happen is whether you have the time to do that or you simply listen to the songs. Either way, I just want people to be really 
captivated and sort of get into the world of it. If you have time to listen to the whole album and you can feel the sort of what's meant to be like the mini movie arc of it, then that's great. And if you don't have that time, then hopefully you can get into a couple of the individual songs. And I'd like to really get some, you know, find some audience of people who are super happy with it and, um, and uh, perform in large venues for those people and just kind of grow the audience um, over time. And since you work at Google, you know, you could use your whole <laughs> system of analytics and call up your friend and get it everywhere. In, in theory, I, I, <laughs> I, I know some people who did that very, very effectively even before Google was a thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it, it blows my mind how, you know, digital marketing is just um, is not only huge, but it's also changing within itself. And, and um, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I think I think creating content that's different and uh in a world where there's so much noise mm -hmm. i think the one sticking out is the only way to go yeah i think so and it's funny because when i um when i originally wanted to illustrate this first album omicron i didn't do it um i actually did not do it with any marketing purpose in mind i just liked this artist um a lot of people who are around my age remember this person because he did the um, Aiden Hughes because he did cover art for this band KMFDM which I'm not mm. particularly n I, nothing against them I'm just not particularly a fan of them but I remember the art and um, a lot of people who were sort of into music at the time were like yeah that I remember those videos from from MTV with this incredibly lurid propaganda poster style art um, so I just I was like, well, maybe he's still around. And I found him and he, he is still around and he liked the project and we worked on it together. And all that was just because I thought it would be cool. And it was only later that I realized that this art, both in and of itself and also the way that it can be animated and help tell the story online and in YouTube videos was was one of those things that can kind of really help make it stand out. And so that was that was nice. Another interesting reaction that I got to this material very early on as I was talking to people about getting some help producing with was I sort of got almost a wistful reaction from people who do a lot of studio music. They were like, oh, you want to do a whole album? Like, mm. <laughs> not that other people aren't doing whole albums, but they were like, oh, you want to tell a story start to finish, like something substantive. Oh, that's that's kind of nice. You get kind of tired playing beats, like, you know, eight measure be eight measures of loops at a time. And well, so, that's a new thing. I mean, that's yeah. A, yeah. yeah. And, and I think even I've heard that creating albums are even archaic in a way, like people are yeah. just creating little singles and then, mm -hmm. you know, so the idea, but I, I, I don't think you can be creating a whole body of work of an album. Um, yeah. And I think that I'm, I'm, I don't, where I go from here, there may be some things that are just singles. There may be out there, but maybe EPs, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but it has been, um, but for, there are people I know who have taken the time to really invest and kind of hear the whole thing start to finish, which is, you know, kind of like what people used to do. Like you'd get this new album from an artist you liked and you'd put on the headphones and listen to all you know, 45 minutes of it start to finish. And so not, like I say, not everybody has to do that, but it's another thing that, that I think kind of helps the project stand out. Nice. So let's switch gears here a little bit. And I wanted to ask you, do you have a spiritual practice? Um, I do not have a spiritual practice. Oh, really? Really? I'm, no I'm meditation. A, I show you my meditation. Oh, I meditate a little. I, I definitely, yeah. do you know a book called uh, 10% Happier by Dan Harris? Yes, I yeah. do. Okay. I, I love that book. So, you know, I, I don't really have anything spiritual that I do, but I, I like that book a lot in particular, because as you know, um, Harris was just like, one of these people who comes to meditation with thinking it's the sort of like well, that's a BS mysticism, right? But and then he and he was converted and he was sort of like, okay, I was I was an arrogant skeptic and now I believe it makes you ten percent happier and point to something else in the world that makes you ten percent happier. So no, I, I do. And um, there's a kind of um, I don't actually know how you say this word meta. Yeah, meta. meta. Right. That's that's my favorite thing. I and I. The way I've been yeah. using that word. <laughs> The whole week. 
Really? No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what. Well, since you were saying about getting into some shows, I, I'm destroying mm-hmm. your mic here. Um, I just started watching The Morning Show, okay. which is the new Jennifer Aniston, Reese oh, Witherspoon yeah. show. Okay. And it's very meta because okay. the whole show, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's basically these two women, they're in their 40s with a really relevant topic, which is the whole Me Too movement right? oh, okay. and how now diversity is a thing. So they have a shot and they have stardom, which they're played by two women that are also in their 40s. One of them is 50. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's very meta because yeah. it's like the, the, the subject matter. It's like art imitating life and life imitating art back Absolutely. to back. So I, I love that. And then there was a couple other things that happened this week, but it, it's, been, <laughs> it's been an ongoing topic where, um, where it's amazing when you notice it Mm -hmm. yeah it's a word it's a word we use frequently and and obviously listen and it it seems like the 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 cornerstone of of your work is to really make people think right yes i think it is um i mean it's kind of coming from two different angles um one of them is uh i basically if you have i guess i've said this before in this interview if you have a little time then i want to have some songs that are just very catchy and you don't have mm-hmm. to think about them too much and they're really fun and i think we've got some songs like that at omicron but if you are the kind of person who likes their music kind of chunky <laughs> like uh-huh. something to chew on you got that too yeah there's plenty there to chew on and there, there will be why omicron how did that come about so in this this is a story about a secret agency that is um, of the u.s government that is more secret than secret it's like the thing that <laughs> super secret yeah, it's the, it's the thing that you haven't even heard of. Where, wherever all that money in the black budget of the U.S. government is, is going, imagine that there's an entire agency that's like the CIA hiding in there, except it's um, even the CIA doesn't generally know about it. And I need and that's it's it's about three people who work for that agency, okay. and their sort of love triangle and sort of what happens to them. And the agency needed a name, and I, I liked Omicron. I have no idea. I don't even remember. It came to you. Or, or it just came, it, it sounds ominous. I guess it starts with Amen, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. good. Uh, it, it means lowercase O in Greek. That means nothing at all. So, but yeah, that's the, it's the it's name. It's got a good ring to it. It's got a ring to it. Yeah. You know, it works. And then, okay. So tell me more about these people. So then, mm-hmm. okay. So, so they work they're, they're at the agency. They're at the agency. So the, the characters are the head of the agency mm-hmm. who is a little older and, um, is a sort of, a a little bit like Jack Nicholson's character in A Few Good Men, like, you know, very controlling and knows what's best for you. Um, and in fact, in the in the lyrics, he's referred to as a puppet master, and he, he knows that people call him that, and he sort of celebrates his ability to be in control. So he's the there at the beginning. He's the person who's singing the first song. And what he's doing in the first song is tempting an agent who is not in his organization yet, who works for the CIA, mm-hmm. and who wants to do bigger and better things and make more change in the world. He's saying, hey, come over here. i got something to show you. Like, uh, If you join me, you can do much more impressive things and change the world much more. And so in, the, in this first um, song, that's what he's doing. So the second character then is a younger guy who is a sort of a, an operative, um, and so he gets pulled into it. And you, you mentioned spirituality. I don't have spiritual practice, but the first song is very direct Jesus reference. There's a, you know, it's, it's right there. You know, you can see it. Say, Satan taking Jesus up on the mountaintop and tempting him with all the kingdoms of the earth. It's, it's uh, like literally right in there. Um, so that's where the, that's where we start off. When we go to the second song, it's three years later and the younger guy who has been successfully brought into the secret organization is burned out and realizes that he has sold his soul and he resolves to get out. Um, he looks at what he has done and what the organization has made of him. 
sort of like you know the thing about boiling a frog you know the frog the, the the frog is in the water and the temperature gets hotter and hotter and the frog doesn't know to jump out because it's also gradual that's what's happened to this guy over three years he's ended up ended up doing things he never believed he could do in the third song um he still over there in in the field of you know of where the agency is operating in north africa he meets um an assassin a sniper a woman who is around his same age and they fall for each other and they they both have realized that for their own different reasons they're tired of omicron they don't want to be it in anymore and they resolve to leave it together which is not a simple matter of just saying i quit and giving two weeks notice it's like it is you know the implication is that that's the kind of thing that could get them you know silently killed or something like that like if you try to leave google yeah oh yeah no i'm telling you no oh yeah my opinions are not those of <laughs> that's, <player>. meta. <laughs> that's very meta well you know so um so they meet and they they fall in love and decide to escape together and then the rest of the album is about um how they do that and they sort of um they're plotting their escape under the nose of the leader of the agency and the the complicating factor is that the the third character this um female assassin is also the lover of the head of the agency and has been for some time and so in leaving she is not only quitting the agency but she's also leaving her lover and moving on to another one and she has some thoughts about that and that's um that all sort of plays out and each character um, it's mu- it's a little a little musical like each character gets a song there are some songs that are two of them or three of them talking to each other and um, so that's that's kind of how the plot unfolds wow that's yeah. I can see how you're an engineer that's really <laughs> like well crafted in- intricately constructed yeah, yeah. well I, one one thing's kind of interesting is i um i love screenwriting and mm-hmm. i don't it feels like like yeah. a screenplay yeah it's it's meant to be like a mini movie like a mm-hmm. screenplay i i don't know if i i have never written a screenplay and i don't know whether i ever will or not but the funny thing is i have several books on screenwriting and i love these books mm-hmm. like sydney Lu- limits book for example just to move my cheese <laughs> yeah, yeah right so so i love um i love it as a craft and um i you mentioned the hero's journey earlier and that's absolutely spot yeah. on like i've i've absorbed a lot about dramatic structure and um even the sort of the um you know, just the way that movies are, there, there's a kind of a formula you can follow. And um, it doesn't mean that your movie has to end up formulaic. It just means that this is kind of the, the classic dramatic structure. If you follow it, people res- will respond to it. And so the whole, it was very careful. It was constructed that way. And I mentioned earlier, it was like, I reached a point where I had eight or nine songs done and it, I needed to get it up to the 12 that I envisioned. And it's like, it's an engineered structure and you go to it. It's like, oh, we have the falling action in the, in the final, in the semifinal act. And I don't have a song there. So let's write it. So yes, it's all very deliberately built. So Arthur, I want to ask you, so what kind of advice, what would you tell somebody that had a passion project that was extremely involved obviously in another career Mm -hmm. as far as the steps they need to take to fulfill in their dreams so i think the first thing you have to do is just take it seriously um there's a sense that um that i've suffered through and i think um i'm guessing a lot of other people have where if you're going to do something that is off the beaten path of what Mm -hmm. you've been doing with your life you almost want to go to somebody else and get that idea validated and for me it was like can i really sing i mean sure i did a lot of college acapella or whatever but can i really sing my own material and sing it convincingly and so on. Is it is that something I can do? Are my songs any good? Are they good enough yet? Um, what is the world out there like for people who are trying to make albums and get the, an audience for those albums? And to some extent, you you kind of extent you kind of seek answers, and you want somebody mm. to kind of tell you what to do. And I think you see this a lot in people who kind of want to do something, but they're sort of hovering around the edges of it. Um, I have this at work sometimes, like somebody is thinking of getting into a different job in the computer industry and they say to me, oh, I really want to learn this programming language. I should do that at some point. And I'm like, 
why don't you? I know this programming language. It's going to take you about a week to become fluent in it. It's very easy. And, and they're sort of dancing around the topic. And so the first thing you have to do is you have to say, this is my, um, uh, this is what I do. It's like one of those, um, books, um, like, um, Paul Arden type books that I love where it's like, okay, you want to, um, be a designer. Um, or let, let, let's say, yeah, you want to be a, a, a designer or let's say you want to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. Okay. You print up a business card and it says, um, you know, Arthur Bloom photographer, and you just start handing that out and presto, you're a photographer. So you have to, you have to choose that you are going to take it seriously. And I think one of the, um, take it seriously and take action and, and take action, right? Just don't just talk about it. And people talk about a lot of stuff, but people mm-hmm. ultimately, if people want to do something in life, ultimately they will find a way to make it happen. And so if you aren't making it happen, then, you know, you have to question, your commitment to it. So there's that. And then, um, you have to, I think you have to look on it as your, especially this kind of creative thing. There was a little bit of a turning point for me and it was around a time that I was doing something a little bit entrepreneurial at work in a sort of a special place that Google has for doing more entrepreneurial startup type things. There was a moment when I basically said to myself, you know, this um, music thing is not a hobby that's struggling to become um, something. It is my second job. And I don't, it, it may or may not be good enough to, to be, you know, it may, it may make money. It may lose money. It doesn't matter. The point is that this is my second job. This is the job I have assigned myself. It's the, one of the things I was meant to do. So you have to take it seriously. And then the other thing I think you just have to do is uh, a couple of other things work incrementally. And one of my favorite stories about that comes from when I was in college and we had a visiting lecture by um, John McCulloch, I think is his name, or David McCulloch. Yeah, David McCulloch, who writes these gigantic historical books that are like 600 pages long. And at some at some point, somebody, it might have been me actually, raised their hand and said, I, don't, I literally don't remember. Somebody, That's big of you to admit that. <laughs> somebody raised their hand and said, how, did, how do you do it? How do you write these 600 page books? And, and I think it was me. And I was expecting some kind of elaborate, like magical answer. And he said four pages a day. Yeah. And there you go. Four little pages, by little. little by little. So you have to do, do some all the time. And, um, lastly, get help, ask for help. Um, and d- d- just go, go to people who know things and ask them. And I, um, that's really a huge part of how this whole thing started. I started taking my music more seriously. When I talked to somebody I went to Berkeley with who really has made it in music and is a Grammy um, winning mixer. Um, so he gave me a bunch of starting advice. I talked to somebody I know who's a very successful composer. He helped me find a producer. Um, and even conversations that I had that led nowhere, every conversation taught me something about the direction I was trying to go in. So talk to people. Take your take your um, dream seriously and start talking to people and just say, look, this is, this is what I'm doing. I, I have to, I'm remembering now, there's another quote that I absolutely love mm-hmm. from Stephen King. Uh, at the beginning of the novel It, where there's a character who's unfortunately just been murdered but his um, his partner is, is grieving and is talking to the police about why it was that they moved to this typical haunted Stephen King town, mm-hmm. Derry, Maine. Maine. In the, exactly. Like, why did you move here? And the, part, the grieving partner says um, he had this unfinished novel and we moved here and he loved this stupid little town and he really perked up. And he told me that he was going to finish his novel. He was busting pages. And he said, no matter what, it may be it may. Um, it may be a terrible novel, but at least it's no longer going to be a terrible unfinished novel. And so I think that's the, the first thing, you know, you just have to say, this is my intention. I'm going to do it. And I was, I was looking in my um, like journals earlier this morning, just like thinking of things to say today and looking back from five or six years ago. And it was like, yep, I'm going to create an album called Omicron. And um, I was the, it was the day I decided I was going to call it that. And then I just sort of like opened up another browser tab and looked at nowhernation.net slash Omicron. And I was like, wow, there it is. So um, declare your intention and, and fulfill it and take it seriously. Because no, because you have to. Because you know you can't count on other people to do to do that for you. Yeah, 
Well said. Amen. Oh, thanks. And you know what else? And to add to what you're saying also, don't pay too much attention to the narrative in your head that thinks you're not good enough, right? <laughs> Maybe no just, attention at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just kind of just keep doing it. And I think a lot of times people, you know, they have that failure to launch because they think either their voice or their work needs to look a specific way. And it's like, no, just do it. Just yeah. do it. And um, some people are going to love it and some people are not. But at least... Get in the game. Yeah, and you can't judge your own work either. It's so funny. You you notice yeah. this like when you're a vocalist, particularly. I so I mentioned earlier that I work with this amazing producer who is also a signed artist and composer and does a lot of stuff here um, and in New York, Doug Rockwell. And Doug and um, Doug knows that I'm an engineer and um, like he knows like we go into the studio and spend you know hours and hours recording it, obviously tons of tons of takes and tons of harmony tracks for a given song and then as we were finishing omicron i would sit with him with these notes and literally be like oh this note is like this one note is just a little bit off or do you hear a little bit of extra breath here or whatever and i would really get wrapped around the axle of, of perfection and it wasn't and i was just wrong i mean it wasn't that those things weren't maybe there it's just that nobody hears that when you're when you're an artist and you are trying to give critique to your own work you have this single-minded focus on details that no one else will ever perceive and i actually think one of the funniest examples of that is i love music i love listening to music on the radio but i don't know the lyrics of a lot of songs right you know like like i'm just pulling one example like cake by the ocean i know the chorus of cake by the ocean it's a great song but what are they talking about with like in the verses with licking icing off your fingers and i i don't know what's there i'll just yeah. so and uh, sometimes i just joke with my wife like uh wow i uh i i sweat over my verses i sweat over every rhyme and and how it all sings and i'm glad i do and i'm never going to stop doing that but you know, um, that's not how people come to a song when they listen to it. They, right. they have a holistic like, impression. Who's to say what they're going to pay attention to and where they're just completely stopped. Yeah. So you can't judge yourself. You just have to, you really have to put it out there. And I mean, you, in some ways you, you can't take it to any, except the most trusted people either and say, Hey, what do you think of my stuff? But you have to put it out there in the world and, and then it may be good. It may be bad. Probably it will be some mix. And actually I remember in music school, um, one Berkeley is a great place. They have an amazing songwriting program. They're very practical. And I remember what somebody saying, if you're having trouble finishing your stuff or you're afraid to put your stuff out there, it's not because you think it's terrible. It's because you think it's going to be mediocre. Like, you know, it's not going to suck. You probably wouldn't be at music school if you thought it was going to completely be absolutely terrible. You're just afraid that it's going to kind of suck. And the thing is, though, if you have a finished thing and it kind of sucks, but it doesn't entirely, that's great. That's, you know, do the do it again. <laughs> And just keep going. It'll, it'll get better and better. Yeah. Awesome, Arthur. How can people find you? Um, you can go to any streaming service, mm -hmm. Spotify, Apple Music. You can go to YouTube. And you can simply search for the band name Nowhere Nation. Nowhere Nation. You can also go to NowhereNation.net. And the what you'll find is an album called Omicron. And if you go to the website, you'll see the illustrations, the animations, all of the lyrics and clicking on the pictures to see what the characters are thinking. And if you just go to the streaming services, then you'll find the whole album online just uh, in, in, as, as they do. Awesome, Arthur. Thank you so much for being with us today. And before I let you go, I want to acknowledge you. So on behalf of Outliers TV, myself in the world, I acknowledge you for your balls, <laughs> for getting yourself out there and doing something that most people wouldn't and for truly inspiring so many people that have that calling of, of really creating art that can move mountains and inspire people. And it's a privilege to have sat with you today. So Likewise. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank you.
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening in. And of course, we want to acknowledge you, the incredible listener. Don't forget to subscribe. Namaste.